Welcome back to another episode of Queer Christian Family Values. Uh, we are starting a series where we're going to be tackling the clobber verses that you all have bombarded requests over. Um, yep. I'm your co-host, Alex Birchnell, and... And I'm your co-host, Andrew Cox. And you can follow me on most things. Uh, if you want to follow me individually, go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's Mr. Alex Birchnell. And where can they follow you at, Andrew? Uh, yes, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok on Andrew Harrison Cox. And then uh, another thing before we get started, please support the show. Um, by going to patreon.com slash QCFE. Every single cent goes right into our ministry to keep things going like this show, our website, our free resources. We also do a binder and gaff giveaway to our trans community every quarter. All of that goes right back in. Uh, you can subscribe $1, or $1, $5, or $10 a month. Each level, you get a bunch of different perks, including outtakes, bloopers, um, stickers mailed to you every month. Blue Bloopers. Bloopers. We got a lot of bloopers from you, Andrew. <laughs> so, All right. Uh, so just just give us a follow, and uh, with that, let's get into it. What what's a clobber passage, Alex? Clobber passages are a passage of of the Bible or even uh, from Scripture that are used to condemn the LGBTQ plus community. Um, mm -hmm. They are interpreted by non-affirming individuals uh, to then justify why it's a sin. And we're going to tackle why that is not correct. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. When we, uh, when we look at the clobber passages, um, so, so goodness, this is kind of the first step in like a new journey for this podcast in a couple of different ways. Um, at least I feel that way. Do you feel that way? Like this kind of feels like a, a this season feels different yeah just like we went through last season kind of like a for, you came on really as a guest originally right like yeah. kind of just a you know get your toes wet see how you feel how how we vibe together and we kind of went through growing pains to kind of see what we need what worked what didn't work and this season kind of feels like we have we went through like a rebranding. We have a better goal, a better mindset, and I feel like we communicate better too. And yeah, it just feels different. Even it just does feel different. yeah, yeah. And and for all of you lovely listeners, I hope it feels different for you too. Like in a good way, you know. Don't be afraid of change because we're going to change the way you think about some scripture. Anyways, okay. So um, <laughs> so our hope is to go through these six clobber verses because one of the things that we want to point out is what most people think about homosexuality. And, and we'll plant our flag even on that, that point by itself on homosexuality it is not in the Bible. Um, what people say when they say they're gay or lesbian today is not what the Bible is talking about. Mm -mm. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to start by giving you guys a series that gives you a lens into thinking about the Bible a little differently that we believe is rather convincing Um and points away from viewing the Bible as a text that condemns LGBT people. Yes. And that's what this we're hoping to do. We're hoping to unclobber, which is a great book, by the way. If, if you haven't read Unclobber, that's a great book. What's our first one? 
Alex, like, like, what are we going to start with? Um, what are we going to unclobber today? Today, we're going to talk about uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, Ooh. the OG anti-sodomy law original BAMF. I don't know what you want to call it. Okay. <laughs> to me, so something I was saying before we even got started, I said, Today just feels like it's going to be an easy clobber verse to deal with, but that yeah. may not be the case for everybody. But just for me and my mindset, I feel like this is probably the easiest one to discredit. Well, first, um, I, I would love to you said a sentence there that I think I think a lot of conservatives when they stumble across people doing what we're about to do, think what we're discrediting is the Bible. Oh, no, and not at all. Well, yeah, but I, I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to address that because That's you're right, true. we are discrediting something. True. But it, ain't, it ain't scripture. Um, so, um, and, and feel, feel free to rip off that if you want, but it's, it's and, and we know that a specific group of people throughout religious history has had the monopoly on um, recording, preaching, and interpreting scripture. Mm -hmm. very specific group and that group did not include people like alex and myself um not at all no um <laughs> you know you're we're wondering why you know there, there are so many centuries of for example interpretations that the bible doesn't let women speak or preach women weren't invited into the room to deal with these passages mm -hmm. so and when it comes to lgbt stuff it's only been in the past hundred years a few hundred years that we've seen this specific interpretation of scripture uh so it's it's really a toddler movement when it comes to the family reunion of christian history you know yeah and and so what we're discrediting is is a, a misuse of scripture because of our fidelity to scripture that's what we're doing and something that maybe we can do before we really start diving into the verse i know or whatever i know everybody's probably at this point like come on get to it um we can maybe give credentials in a sense of how we personally view the bible and then andrew and i may have a varying viewpoint on how we view the bible or sure um yeah, probably. like he so i'm a little bit probably more conservative ish um i view the bible as the word of god um, whereas right. I don't know your viewpoint on that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that sentence. So, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so for our, the more conservative side of things, um, people that may stumble across it, you might understand my perspective. Um, and then the more like the, the labels get me, I don't know if I would consider myself conservative, but I tend to be grouped into them. I'm, I'm too conservative for many of the LGBTQ plus community. And then I am too well, see, liberal for the conservative community. You, you seem to have um, moderate. Yeah, I I words, you seem to have a conservative reading of the Bible, right? Okay, sure. Yeah, um, I would say to not make it like so. So conservative isn't necessarily a bad word when it comes to reading the Bible. There's just a lot of conservatives that have done some massive amalgamation of wackadoo nonsense over time. True. <laughs> So I would say that I do a um, like a neo-orthodox reading of the Bible because I, I would say that those because that, that does that's not better. It's just different. And, and we can talk about that maybe as we go through this passage. Yeah, totally. 
Um, so, so yeah, look, Sodom and Gomorrah, take us there. Cool. So I am reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. I am not a King James purist. I see, eh, I do have some issues with King James, but I don't care what translation you use, doesn't matter. Um, it's just easier for me to read. So I am going to start and actually I'm going to read from verse one through verse like eight, I guess. Does that work okay. for you? That's okay. fine with me. So what book are we in? We are in Genesis chapter 19. Genesis, versus, that's like the first one. It is. <laughs> for those that don't know, it, it is from the Old Testament. Um, okay. Uh, so Genesis 19 verse one through eight. Great. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot was sitting there, and when he came, oh my goodness, Lot was sitting there, and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied, we'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted, so at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to, the, to, talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Uh, we got some angels that are coming into the square. Um, they are, so in the previous chapter, we found that uh, Abraham uh, was talking to God about the city that Lot was down there living in, and um, God was planning to destroy the city, and Abraham basically negotiated uh he's like well if you can find 10 good people will you keep the city and not destroy it and god's like fine please stop talking to me right now you're you know stop begging me <laughs> and uh so the angels ended up going and they're kind of investigating the city just to kind of see how things are well they were gonna stay in the city square and Lot came and was like uh yeah i know what's gonna happen I live in this city. Please come stay at my house. It's not safe. So they do. And then you get this mob that are like, oh, there's a foreigner here. We're going to rough them up, uh, including sexual assault. Or in other words, they, they were going to gang rape, rape them. I mean, that's what was happening. Um, and uh, so for obvious reasons, you know, rape is bad. And thus the city will end up being judged for that. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, interpretive tools for reading the Bible real quick. Um, so when we're reading this, um, we, it's important to, to, when you read the Bible to not just go, what does the Bible say, but why is the Bible saying it? What is the Bible doing? Like, what is the text doing? Mm -hmm. uh, like, like, is this part of a bigger piece of scripture and it's trying to like make a point to tie into something else. And then, um, and, and also, what is it doing to the people that are encountering it for the first time? So, so we, we, cannot sub, we cannot prescribe morality to the Bible in places where the Bible is not trying to prescribe morality. Like, like where, where the Old Testament, you know, 
um, more than a thousand years ago, mm -hmm. you know, more than 2000 years ago, rather in some cases, 3000 years ago, um, when, when the old Testament is trying to communicate to us, um, what it's trying to say is, or is not moral, we are supposed to listen to what they are saying is moral for their time. It is not, we're, it's not our job to uh, prescribe morality where it's not being asked to be prescribed. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, are you saying that this particular uh, story, it's, it's for this particular city, this particular time period and these particular people. Right. Exactly. And, okay. and, um, and we can learn something from what the story is trying to tell them, but mm -hmm. that story is not trying to tell us 21st century folk a particular thing. It, okay. it is trying to tell them something, and whatever it's telling them is the thing that we should be learning to. Okay. So what do you think it's trying to tell them? So I think that what, what we see is – so whenever, whenever a story is written in the Bible and you see – a decision being made and another character oppose it mm -hmm. that is trying to sh communicate a kind of choice that people can make um and so we see that so so what do we do in the face of violence and people trying to exploit people sexually what what, what is our response to that uh, mm -hmm. and you know lot had a choice he could either roll over and go well this is the way of my city i'm just going to allow it to happen or he can oppose it now, now, how does he oppose it? He opposes it in a way that we would not never oppose today, <laughs> right? But, but he is opposing it in a way. What is most important important about the story is not necessarily the view of messengers of God versus the view of human daughters. That is that that paradigm is not necessarily what's trying to be communicated here. Mm -hmm. And I'm we're, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. No, no, totally. You're fine. Um, but what is being communicated here is when faced with a choice of, of allowing people to sexually exploit others or not, the decision is clear. You push back. Yes. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's pretty much exactly what I would, I would think, um, that it's, sexual abuse is horrible and you should not be a bystander if you know what's happening you know what's going on you need to act whether that's um involving uh i mean obviously at their time period they didn't have a quote-unquote you can't like just call the police <laughs> um right. but in this situation it's don't be a bystander and just you know let it happen fight um they i don't did lots things see them as angels or think that they were angels i don't know if it said so i'm looking at the hebrew right now just mm -hmm. to just to you know go above and beyond just for a hot second and um um he he, re he refers to them as my lords it is a mm -hmm. it is a masculine plural in the hebrew um and so this is referring to two male representing figures that he is considering lords Okay, so is he seeing them as representing God? Um, great question. So um, the word here is, um, let me see, Hamalakim, okay? Um, okay. Which is, um, Hamalakim is plural of Malak, Malak being messenger, God, or gods, okay? Okay. So um, when we see a translation from Hebrew, um, to the, say, the Septuagint, 
um, often the word malak, which can mean messenger of a god, a god, or a demigod. That's how it's used in ancient literature, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at least in this time period. Um, it is changed in the Septuagint to mean exclusively this other word, angelos, which is, which is exclusively um, messenger of God, okay? Okay. Um, so, um, so these beings are being treated as if they are either gods themselves, demigods of some sort, messengers of the gods, um, whether celestial or human. So they are, they are of high revere. It is appropriate to believe that these are not human beings. Okay. To the story. And they are plural and there are multiple ones and they are, they are masculine representing. Okay. So that makes sense. Cause I've heard people say that they were just travelers um, that just happened to stop in at the city and that the two stories are completely separate, but bringing in that's something why i agree that you need to go back and look at the ancient language to truly grasp what's happening or at least that's my way of uh interacting with with scripture and and the bible so first this will be a short tangent i promise um when (laughs) when tom hiddleston went on the colbert show and talked about his academic history um people don't know this tom tom hiddleston the loki Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> he um, he is a Latin scholar. Oh, snap. Yeah, he's a Latin scholar. And so um, he and Colbert geeked out on Latin for a hot minute. And um, one of the things that they said, and I forget who they quote, so I'm just going to quote them because it's more of a fun tie-in. They said, um, reading languages, reading a story outside of its first language is like kissing someone through a veil. Oh, Wow. Yeah, because you miss something. It's, it, 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 you technically get it. You know what's happening, but you're missing a, the, 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 the touch. You're missing something. And so, yeah, like, like Hebrew, I mean, for the people that say that Hebrew doesn't matter didn't take enough of it, or they <laughs> haven't taken it at all. People say that Greek doesn't matter either haven't taken or haven't taken enough of it. Mm-hmm. I've taken just enough to be dangerous. Do and- you think that people that are so against understanding Hebrew and the Jewish tradition, this is my point of perspective. I see a lot of modern day Christianity having anti-Semitic views. Oh yeah. Like yeah. even if it's not like outwardly, it's like a subconscious thing because I have, I have a lot of, so my church has, a, is Hebraic, considers itself Hebraic Christian. And so we have a lot more Jewish understanding and teachings and different stuff like that. And when people find out, it's like, all of a sudden they're like, how dare you? This is horrible. What, what?" and I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, Jesus himself practiced this. I mean, it's, it's his culture. And in a way I feel like understanding their views, understanding their language, their culture, their expectations, whatever, gives you a even broader understanding of our holy book, you know? Well, it's, it's not just that, like, so, so one, I, so, so yes, I agree with you. Okay. I, I think <laughs> there are, I think there are consistent anti-Semitic views amongst Christians, whether they are passive or like active views yeah. of like anti-Jewish, um, because if you're not careful when you read the Bible, you see 
Judaism being painted in the, in the New Testament as almost like a villain. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things also is I blame Martin Luther for this pretty heavily because if, if it weren't for the removal of things like, say, the Maccabees, like the Maccabees as, as texts give this, this, this like backdrop of everything that's, a, that's happening in the stories of Jesus. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, you know, reading the, reading the gospel without reading the Maccabees is like watching this, uh, is like watching the sixth movie of Star Wars and pretending, you know, the whole story. It, it's just like, you get to the end, you get to see a character. You don't know why he's there. He's fighting somebody. You're not sure why, but he's going to win. And he wins. Yay. Hey, he wins. Good. Isn't that great? And that's, and we pretend that's the whole story. That's not the whole story. And if we had these texts that have been given to us that, you know, we're for Protestants removing them, we, we, we could have, we could have a clear picture. Uh, so that was a longer tangent than I thought, but yeah. So um, angel in this text to the traveler uh, in this first line is Hamalakim, that's the Malakim, that's plural, the, the, the messengers of the gods or, or gods. So celestial yes. beings. All right, so, so there's these celestial beings that show up in this city. Um, they show up in Sodom. They visit Lot. Um, Behold, now my lords, turn aside, I pray you, into your servant's house and tarry all night. I, I'm just straight translation from Hebrew here. Um, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your way. So brief visit, then get out of Dodge, you know? Like, yeah. like, this is not, this ain't your town. This isn't your move. Get out of here. Um, okay, so a bunch of people show up from every quarter. So, like, from every corner of the town, from all spaces of the town. Uh, Word spread, basically, and they're all like yeah let's go show them some business basically yeah it's like this this is like the most aggressive and unwanted welcome party to ever enter a neighborhood like like, like imagine like pitchforks and like what is it the and a lot of other things you wouldn't appreciate me mentioning on here because we apparently have 12 year old viewers i didn't know that <laughs> that's a thing sorry prepubescence well i don't know when people hit puberty anymore. if you want to uh watch uh andrew freak out about finding out we have like an 11 year old or 12 year old viewer subscribe to patreon because it, it, it's hilarious i made a sex joke i thought it was funny it was funny i was being funny and and then i didn't consider my audience so i made a mistake i mean well mistake. you're welcome patreon all right anyway <laughs> Um, so yeah, these, these, so, so the story goes on from there. Um, they want to take these men and, and know them as, as the text says. Um, so, um, and not like take them out to coffee. That's not what's happening here. Like they, the, the way that we have translated this is to suggest that they want to have sex with them. And, and, and I think there's a mistake made there. Um, because in today's time, if you walk up to someone and say, hey, give me your partner to have sex with, think about the loss of agency that happens there, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, like we're missing something. And this is really my issue with these clobber passages across the board is because of how we've mistranslated it, we've missed an important thing the Bible is trying to communicate 
to us about sexuality. Uh, it's not that we think they are disqualifying texts and we shouldn't listen to them. We're missing something so important that the Bible is trying to say. And because we've missed it, we've lost the opportunity to address exploitative sex, um, sex without you know consent, um, sex with power dynamics that is inappropriate. I mean, the Me Too movement exists in part because there are not enough teachings about the importance of avoidance and the sin of exploitative sex. Yes. And that's what this story could have been. And that, I guess that's another reason to be frustrated and infuriated, even if you aren't an affirming Christian. The fact that a story that condemns rape is not being used correctly to stop women, children, anybody from having that sexual abuse. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and like, in, in this text here, so like to know is, is, is um, soft language that is idiomatic in Hebrew. Okay. So, so to know someone is like, to know, you ever heard someone say, I know, like to know them biblically, you know, like, uh, yeah, means it's all about to pound town. The what? The nookie. The what? Oh my <laughs> That's God. That's the only lyric from that song I'm gonna sing because it is in fact about the nookie. But but it's not just about the nookie. The what? The nookie. It's not just about that. Um, it's also about um, it's it, it's a loss of agency of these guests. Like like these guests are yours to give to us if we do, so desire. We want to take them and have them sexually. Yes. Um, and and so this is not a decision of these visitors to have sex. This is not about a desire to have sex with exclusively men. We don't, that's not necessarily a thing that's happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, I suppose you could interpret it as that being a thing, but there's no reason to necessarily believe that. Yeah. I mean, people that take this text as saying, okay, well, because they were men having sex with men, that's gay, then that's bad. So what about like uh, David and Bathsheba? Because of that situation, is all straight sex bad? Yes, but no. <laughs> um, so I mean, that—that's to me that—that's no, that's a good should. point. Like, yeah. like, that's a leap. If it weren't for the presupposition that there is a problem with homosexuality, mm -hmm. and the presupposition that there's nothing wrong with heterosexuality, we wouldn't come to these conclusions about this being a certain story and David and Bathsheba just being a bad day for a good king yeah exactly oh i see the tie-in yeah i did that <laughs> um so it's we have this habit of deciding that some things are forgivable and other things are inexcusable and they don't just shape how we view our world honestly they also twist what is actually happening in our world around us yes so in this text, we see, um, to, to summarize, to wrap it up a little bit, um, we see that there are these Hamalakim, these celestial entities that have gone into this town that God is considering to judge whether he will destroy the town or not. Um, 
And in the story, the Hamalakim show up. And when they show up, the whole town of men, specifically the men in the town, both young and old, show up and they surround the house and say, give us these men. We wish to know them. Um, and so, and what Lot does is he uh, does something very specific. What does he do, Alex? Um, he actually offers up his virgin daughters. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is, so sometimes I think that people who have a quote unquote conservative view of the Bible, they don't want to tackle stuff that is objectively wrong, uh, that people that they hold certain characters of the Bible up to a really high standard. Um, they put them on this pedestal so they can never do anything wrong. They're these awesome, holy people. And I see that happen with this Sodom and Gomorrah story where they don't want to tackle the fact that Lot was offering up his virgin daughters to a crowd of men. And he knew that if they took his daughters, they would be sexually abused. And I think that it's important for us to be able to deal with something like this, um, that it was wrong. Yes, there may have been a social standard at the time, but like going back to what you said, this was not trying to tell us nowadays about this situation. It was more of just don't do sexual abuse, period. But it's like, how do you tackle this verse of him offering up his daughters? Yeah, I think that I think that we spend too much time as Christians trying to defend the Bible instead of understanding it. Yes. Um, and one of the problems with defending the Bible without practicing understanding of it is we are quick to say, yeah, but if you look at the context as if that's somehow mitigates the bad that's yeah. happening here and it doesn't we can't just jump in and say yeah but the context is if that makes it better but but there are some things that i would like to contextualize okay so that people know what we're looking at here um what is the jewish view of virginity is it that we somehow know that this person has never had sex do we have proof of that um that's not necessarily a thing like that, that doesn't necessarily exist in ancient Judaism, this monitoring of a woman's sexuality to that extent. Um, the word maiden and virgin is, is a pretty consistent crossover, as in unmarried. Mm. Um, and so, um, in fact, if you just want to have a fun little gay dive for a second... Um, there's all these goddesses that are the goddesses of virgins. Mm -hmm. It's more appropriate to interpret them as the goddesses of maidens or the goddesses of women that don't marry men. Yeah. In other words, a whole bunch of women hanging out in a temple together, represented by a goddess who is usually super fine. Um, it, a, a bunch of scholars have spent time going, this is probably... This is probably, in many cases, uh, a, a space where lesbians uh, found a safe haven from a patriarchal society. Yeah. Didn't even think about that. I've been watching a lot of, uh, like, rabbis, Jewish rabbis, yeah. and their perspective on sex and sexuality is very, very different than the purity culture-based um christians that we see today of they never this is from his pers his his teachings was that 
um, virginity was not a concept like we understand it. It wasn't, yeah, it was like, yeah, you can't just ruin a woman for the rest of her life. Like, that's not a thing. It was more of, yes, within the bounds of, of marriage, you know, you, you do that you it's monogamous and all that other stuff um but you're not just all of a sudden ruined just because you have your own body bodily autonomy you know and you decide yeah (laughs) well anyway yeah and so so in the hebrew there's nothing here that necessarily suggests that these women are being presented as virgins they are being presented exclusively as young women um so it is reasonable to believe that if they're living with their father that these are unmarried women yeah okay Um, and unfortunately in this time of history there isn't exactly a notion of what a woman should or should not be treated like during sex i mean it wasn't until the 1970s in the united states that it was considered um a prosecutable offense in all 50 states that um, men could not rape their wives. Mm, yeah. That wasn't a standard until 1970. So we can't pretend that this is a, an ancient problem. No. This, is a, this is a present day problem. This is a 50 year ago problem that we, or rather, we were only acknowledging it as an appropriate problem 50 years ago in our own country. So what we have happening here is not an example of an ancient problem or a primitive. Um, view of the world because it's an ancient text what we have is a world that is that is yet to be ashamed of what it actually believes today we have a world that simply hides that this is what they believe like i'm i'm struggling with like how to even you know go about tackling something like that i mean obviously today's um episode is specifically geared to whether or not this was about homosexuality which i feel like we have established that it's not but yeah no you go ahead and then i'll say a thing go ahead oh you're you're okay i was just saying but us tackling rape in in general whether it's um, male on male male on female that's what this story is is truly about and how to deal with sexual abuse um and my struggle i guess is yes if we stop at verse seven, that's a nice little neat, you know, tied in or not story of how to deal with sexual abuse, try to step in and stop it. But then when we bring in verse eight, where he offers up his daughters, does that negate what was, what was done? Does that um, affect the, I'm trying to, to think of how to explain it. Does that affect how we can view this as a good depiction of how to deal with sexual abuse i think it has to i think it has to i think it has to affect how we view this text um what it does if we're being honest with this text instead of just taking the cheap cop out and it is cheap when we do this it's a cheap cop out when we say well the lord works in mysterious ways yeah Mm -hmm. or well if you put it in context what we have throughout the old testament and the new and in more than one case is open documentation of the abuse of people while it is also treated like it's no big deal yes 
what now if you view the bible and, and this is where you know you and i part ways a smidge and that's okay i mean i, I think i think that's okay is like when you view the bible as this holy fully inspired thing mm-hmm. i think that makes it harder um i don't deal with that problem personally what i deal with is the problem of the honesty of these people's humanity how like like what what does it mean to be human in this time well this is part of it this is part of what it means to be human oh yeah um and and i think that we should not pretend that this is a an old problem considering we just had donald trump as a president yeah right <laughs> yeah just gonna go ahead and throw that out there i mean I, i'm i'm i say what you want but part of his reality i'm not that conservative just just so we viewers can understand that (laughs) he's not that kind of conservative i'm not that kind um yeah it's it's we we can't pretend that that there is not this is an honest depiction of our world today view of men as superior to women yeah view of of uh, male desire as something that needs to be appeased at the cost of women that is an honesty that's happening in this text. And what this should do, if, we're, if, if, if I were to preach a sermon on this text right now, this is what I would say. Okay. The Bible does not just expose divinity to us. It also exposes our own humanity. It exposes our humanity, the good and the bad of it. And when we see this text, when we see Lot's decision, we don't just see Lot's decision. We see the decisions of our local judges when they let rapists off because they have potential. We see the decisions of our friends that we went to high school with who we know sexually abused women. We see the decisions of ourselves when we are complicit in the pain and suffering of women in our world. So what we see in law is a mirror of our own patriarchy and a mirror of our own exploitation of women for the appeasement of men. And if we are going to deal with this text honestly, what we need to do, what we have to do is understand that this is not an ancient problem. This is a today problem. And did Lot do the right thing? No, but he thought he was. The intentions of good men have cost a lot of great women because of the world they're brought up in. That's the sermon that I preach on this text. Well, my Pentecostal self would probably be be like, yes, no, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that. So, you, so for those that I am still going through seminary, I am still in that deep dive of understanding um, the difference between just taking the text at its English words and diving deeper into the Hebrew, understanding the culture, the society, what they were experiencing when man wrote down what God was encouraging them to write. Um, Again, my perspective. And so they're going to write it through the lens that they're experiencing. So I think something people, I guess, misunderstand when I say, I believe that the Bible is the word of God. I'm not sitting there thinking that God literally sat there and like uh, took over the dude's body and like wrote it for him. I believe that they were called and felt 
him speaking, but they are still going to write it based on the lens that they have in their society. So with the lot story, right, um, women were seen as unfortunately more objects versus having their own thoughts, feelings, all that stuff. And um, so they're going to sit there and write it based upon their culture and societal understandings. Um, same with Revelation, same with just about everything in the Bible. And I like that you are tying it into this shows how they treated and viewed women so to the point that they could literally just without thinking offer up the daughters as if this is somehow an okay option um that the men are too good to to rape i guess and, and so the only other option is is to offer up his daughters um and that it's still an issue that we still have what was the guy's name that he raped a girl and then he well not just one guy at this point, so probably hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of men have even been videotaped raping women. Brock Turner. Yeah, thank you. And they're more concerned about what it's going to do to his life rather than, right. yeah. Right. Like, like, like a, this, the sin of the patriarchal church is protecting men as the um, messengers of God at the cost of women who are the image bearers and the representation of the feminine spirit of God. Like, like we, we have, we have like their cannon fodder for the male opportunity. And, and, and it, it's just, boom, this text has power when we, we stop making it about gay people. It actually has something because, because here, here's the cheap, nonsense that conservatives do to this text they go oh no <laughs> here's the proof here's the proof gays shouldn't get married and they stop there that doesn't teach you how to live your life that doesn't teach you how to inform your kids that doesn't teach you how to treat your friends it doesn't teach you how to treat gay people it just gives you this loose philosophic moral that you can pontificate with your conservative friends in the locker room and that's all it does but when you put this text in context when you do something with this text it goes oh my god Maybe I'm just like Lot. Maybe I would th throw women to the side at the cost of a man's opportunity. Maybe I would do that too. And then you get to wrestle with that. And then you get to have uncomfortable conversations in the locker room and at the business table. You know, the business table where you still don't let women out. What's that about, by the way? And so this is a thing that we could legitimately teach the world with. And we stopped pretending it's about gay people. Yes, <laughs> and i'm out <laughs> you need a mic just i just it just makes me so mad because like i'm obsessed with the bible it is so freaking cool and weird right. and cruel and strange and neat and, and if we just give it room to let it breathe and do something uh, so before before we're done, though, I also think it's really neat and a really easy way to jump through this text to jump to Ezekiel, where it says, hey, this is why your sister Sodom was destroyed. So, so guys, what's guys, girls, friends, non-binaries, what's happening in this text is, is one thing. But what's really interesting is that the prophet Ezekiel addresses why Sodom was destroyed and it never mentions the gays. 
Dun, dun, dun. It never mentions the gays. Ezekiel 1649. Boom. Did I like, so my new living translation, um, like, cause I've seen in like King James or something like that, or other Bibles where it says the judgment of Sodom. Right. In, but in my Bible, it says judgment of Jerusalem's prostitution. Well, then let me go to the Hebrew. Saddam is in both 48 and 49 of the Hebrew. Woo. So I just want to point that out. <laughs> As I live, says the Lord God, Sodom, your sister, has not done um, she nor her daughters as you have done, you and your daughters. Oh, by the way, um, Hebrew is really repetitive when you read it straight up. It's like um, um, the this, the, the, uh, the, the, this, the thing. And we would translate it to be this thing. Yeah. So it's I almost like, it's like, oh, the poison, Cusco's poison, the poison, the poison, Cusco, that poison, Cusco's poison. That's, that's the, um, <laughs> The, the amount of movie references that you do i just need I, to have a reel of just that i i can't help it it's, it's the way i've it's that my third parent was my television and so here we go all right um behold this was the iniquity of your sister sodom pride fullness of bread in other words over overfed mm -hmm. um careless ease was in her and her daughters. Um, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And uh, they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. So it is a jump, like jump the shark jump which is a reference from Happy Days and later became a reference for television um, when television shows are losing it. And so they do like a sizzle reel and do something crazy, like have fun oh and use a motorcycle to jump a literal shark. That, that's like a metaphor now for making bad decisions to keep a TV, she, TV show alive. So it is jumping the shark to pretend that when it says abominations, it's talking about the gays. The gays. The gays. <laughs> Alphabet mafia. Ba -da -ba. Um, okay so okay but what is pointed out explicitly are things that we never see in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis what is pointed out explicitly is that they are prideful mm -hmm. they are overfed and they don't give a crap about the poor in other words they're an ideal American bum, bum, bum. so like we're pretending that the problem here and this is also what we do here in this country all the time, isn't it? We pretend that the problem is the gays are getting married. It's like, what about all the homeless people in our streets? What about the homeless children that we keep voting in officials that don't take care of? What about the fact that everyone eats so much and so many are hungry? What about how your view of the world is all about you and yours instead of the biblical view, which is you and all of Israel? In other words, your whole town, your whole community, your whole church maybe the reason Sodom was destroyed is for people like you 
not the gay couple that wants to get married and just go to Lowe's and pick out which hinges match their whatever. Like, that's not the thing. That's not the problem. Uh, it's just like, yeah, it's uh, so the things that are explicitly named are things that we as, as human beings deal with consistently. Overfocus on self, overfed. Uh, so, so eating for pleasure and just, just taking in food just because we want to. And then the third thing being, we don't strengthen the hand of the poor. Mm -hmm. now, Maybe so, stop hoarding toilet paper, Karen. That's right. So, uh, and also like, I love the Hebrew here because it doesn't say help the poor. Like, like don't, don't give a hand off. The, it's saying strengthen their hand, invest in the life of the suffering so much that they are stronger when you leave. That is what they did not do and made it justifiable that they were destroyed. Boom. That's a sermon. Yes. I need you to start preaching. This is this is this is your now preaching platform. I guess, yeah. I'm fine <laughs> with it. Look, it's just like we 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 we've we've missed the point, you know? And um and it says they've committed abominations before me. That's there. And you could suggest that has something to do with the story that's recorded in Genesis. Sure, that's not that's not a leap, you know. Um mm -hmm. But it is a leap to suggest that this wasn't about sexual exploitation. Yes. It is a leap to suggest this is about gay sexual desire exclusively. Like, like as if that's a, a teaching that's happening, happening in this time. Um, the, now, I will say this. This is a, a strange pattern in Hebrew and, and in Jewish tradition is that the sexual exploitation by men of men is abominable. The sexual exploitation of men, uh, of women by men, is less so. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with that honestly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's the cop out. Like we were talking about is culture, and just say, oh well, it was just the culture of the time. Or like you've get, got a racist grandma, and she says horrible things. Or well, it's I mean, it was how she was raised. It's, but she's been raised. Yeah, she has risen. Or however you conjugate that verb. Like, that's, I mean. She's been alive in the 21st or whatever century long enough to know that what she's saying is wrong, yet she still says it. Right. And the thing that I'm getting a little tired of, well, not getting, I'm just talking about it more frequently, is we're pretending the problem is Christians. And we're pretending the problem is the religious. As if this hasn't been the foundation of human institution since we've had society. Mm -hmm. As if this doesn't happen every year in boardrooms. This doesn't happen every year in businesses where people aren't swept under the rug and have to sign an NDA so they can't talk about what happened. Like this is a thing that happens all the time outside of temples, mosques, and, and, and cathedrals. Like, so for us to pretend that this, this problem is the religious people it is a mess up. This is a deeply human problem, and the Bible does a pretty good job of exposing that if we give it enough space to do so. The Bible's feminist, like especially in this chapter. Right. Well, it's 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 what we what we forget is, is that the Bible's pointing in a direction, right? It, it, it's doing a work to go somewhere. Now, is that place where we've landed today? No, it, where we've landed today is is pretty short of it, or at least we'd like to think so, right? Mm -hmm. But it's pointing in a direction away from exploitation. It's pointing in a direction away from devaluing someone's autonomy. Is it landing? No. Is it pointing? Yes. And that pointing is the direction we're still trying to go in today. Boom. 
and something I want to touch on that can kind of segue, like before we end, segue into maybe the next one that we do. Um, so in the f- interesting thing is, so the term arsenikoitai, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the Greek word that later clobber verses use to translate to mean homosexual. We'll talk about what that word actually means in later uh, episodes, but uh, it is found in Timothy and it's found in first, first Corinthians. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that the, what was the Wycl- Wycliffe, um, that was a Bible uh, that was trying to translate into Middle English in like 1508. He actually coined Arsenikoitai and changed it to Sin of Sodom, S-Y-N-N of Sodom. And so he chose to correlate Arsenikoitai with Sodom. Whatever is happening in Sodom. And I think that that had an effect on how we interpret this chapter because it was this guy that was trying to basically he he had he changed a word to mean sin of sodom and it's like they've read into okay so whatever's happening here was what happened in sodom yeah they're doing the reverse of what should have happened which is whatever's happening in sodom is what's happening in the new testament exactly that's that's really interesting that's really interesting um i and, and, and I think that what we do is we pretend that Christian history is nice and tidy and clean and neat, but things like <laughs> this are really important to address that, you know, hey, there, there is not a consistent narrative. This is about people having gay attraction or that people, you know, uh, having consensual um, homosexual relationships or mixed sexuality relationships. Um, this, is, this is something different altogether. Yeah. And we talked about early on, and I know I, I'm like, hey, let's just talk about one more thing. But early on, we were we were discussing, so what does being gay actually mean? So if we're looking at this, you just got a, a bunch of men that are going to rape them. It's like, yeah, but it's still, it's still gay because it was men on men. Being gay and rape are not just automatically the same thing just because it happens to be another guy. Being gay is who you're sexually and romantically attracted to. And that's what that is. Um, And and so being – so homosexuality – the sex of homosexuality is an extension of the romantic and sexual desire for that person. Mm -hmm. What we see here is abusive, power-driven, and exploitative sex. And if we're going to be honest, like the majority of human history – this kind of sex, like even man on man, was not because of attraction. It was because of expression of masculinity. It was for dominance. It was for a lot of things, but it wasn't because you thought he was cute. Yeah. That, that's not what's happening. Um, so that Sodom and Gomorrah, y'all. Alex, where are we going next? The next episode, we are going to be tackling probably one of the most commonly used uh, against gay people. If you can guess it. Is it Leviticus? You got it right. You get a cookie or something that I'll mail to you at some point. (laughs) But yes, we're going to be tackling uh, there's, so there's two verses in Leviticus that are notoriously used to completely bash the heck 
and um, give people just the feeling of justification to be horrible. Um, Look up Matthew Shepard for once. I mean, people have used it to justify on murdering gay people, attacking, beating, and it still happens today. Uh, So Leviticus 18.22 and then 20. So chapter 18, verse 22, and chapter 20, verse 13, both of those we're going to be tackling in our next episode. So stick around and make sure you subscribe to our blog. Um, Just go to QueerChristianFamilyValues.com. That way you get all the alerts sent straight to your email or, and in addition, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. But that is what our next show is going to be. Awesome. So yeah, guys, um, as a reminder, you can go to the beginning of this and here where you can follow us on our various social medias. Uh, If you want to um, like, follow and review this podcast, that will help more people see it on whatever platforms you just click the little button um, on your um, on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you really want to help us out and be awesome, please go to patreon.com and uh, subscribe for as little as a dollar and that'll help us continue running the show so thank you all thank you and that's patreon.com slash qcfv thanks for listening